The comments within the following podcast are those of any show hosts and not representative of any company in which the show hosts may represent. Welcome to podcast number 349 of the technology blog and podcast series. I am Jared Reimer and welcome aboard. Browsers always update on a regular basis. Fixes are always implemented. But when a fix includes a screen reader fix, it normally doesn't get mentioned. Firefox 79 got updated and they did mention a screen reader fix that was affecting JAWS as JAWS crashed with 78.1 and 2. That is nice to see and I give my thoughts. In a file called Notes, Sean Everest talks to us about one of the biggest GPS breaches we've probably ever had in a brand that most people know about. Sean also talks about some recent changes to the blog in regards to spam problems, which the tech blog has been fighting for many, many years. We spend a little time talking about the recent going-ons for the Twitter hack that took place on July 15th, 2020. The long-awaited podcast from Blind Bargains, where me, Jared Reimer, was interviewed about Braille 2000 The Talking Edition on the blog. I link to the particular podcast where you can go listen to it. The interview starts 15 minutes in. How secure are your credit card and debit cards? Have you really thought about how this whole thing works? We recently found out that some chip-enabled credit card banks don't do proper verification. And I've recently blogged about two articles talking about credit cards from Krebs on Security. That blog post will be linked to this show notes. We've got a couple of items from Michael in Indiana. The first is talking about Comcast and recent experiences with internet, TV, and other devices as things completely went wrong and it was hard to diagnose. I was there for it. It was quite interesting. No, I don't live there, but he was talking about it on Livewire. The recent going-ons with TikTok. Oh boy, it sounds like Microsoft wants to buy the Chinese-owned app. But yet, 
I can't confirm or deny it. He has a short file on those thoughts. I found a video from the BBC talking about TikTok and how people want to see it stick around. Some even said if it went away, they could probably get a couple of more hours of sleep. But there's also apps like YouTube, Vimeo, and many more video sharing services that could keep you up at night. The video will last you about three minutes. I also have short thoughts on TikTok. Finally, final thoughts, contact information, and what's coming up on the next edition of the Security Box. The podcast is packed. It's over an hour long. So let's get started. This is podcast 349, and we start with Jaws. Podcast number 349. I am Jared Reimer. Before Sean's segment, which covers a couple of very important topics, one which is the blog itself and the other about a very interesting breach that may affect us in one way or another in regards to GPS I wanted to come on and start the program with some very interesting news now the recording date for this program is July 30th and Sean's file is dated the 29th and 30th okay Sean lives on the other side of the world in New Zealand so we have about a day's difference give or take a few hours so for that point of reference is important and you'll hear why when you hear Sean's file But on the 30th Pacific time, I had gone in and done my NHC update on Livewire. But I wanted to see something else on Livewire, so I decided to open my browser. And the Firefox update notice came on and normally I just close them and go about my day but 
This time, I got curious. So I did a little reading on the page that I was given, and I found a link to the release notes. Now, this is going to be Firefox version 79. And what did I find in Firefox version 79? I found in there a very interesting release note. Fixed an issue with crashing, especially with screen readers like JAWS. I want to take this opportunity to admire those people who work on Firefox for taking the time to mention screen readers in their notations. There was another couple of items for screen reader usage where they give elements of specific things. So on the blog I blogged this because I thought you know we don't really get a lot of recognition in regards to what's happening and uh, there are various security fixes several crashes while using a screen reader were fixed including a frequently encountered crash while using while using JAWS screen reader Firefox developer tools receive significant fixes allowing screen reader users to benefit from some of the tools that were previously inaccessible and SVG title and desk elements and descriptions are now recognized and exposed to assistive technologies such as screen readers. Now I want to make it clear that I don't know what this SVG thing is. I've never heard of it. I also linked to, to the security fixes if people would like to take a look at that. I said, do you want to read the entire one? Please head on over to the Firefox release notes page for the full details. So thank you Firefox for giving us um, a mention, not by JAWS users per se, but in the accessibility field as a whole. Hey, we fixed some stuff accessibility wise including crashes with JAWS. Now I'm sure Narrator, because uh, JAWS support told me that Narrator was doing the same thing, so I'm sure that if you use Narrator, this will now work as it should. It was crashing on the National Hurricane Center's website, and it also crashed when I tried to post on the tech blog, and I had to end up using Chrome to be able to um, go ahead and uh, ch uh, post to the blog. I don't mind using Chrome myself. I'm just 
more familiar with Firefox, and that's why I choose to use it. But I can use Chrome without too much difficulty. It just takes a little bit longer for me to use it, especially if I have to go through the menu system. But that's okay. Thank you very much again, Firefox. We really appreciate your continued support in the accessibility field. Speaking of fields, security, and otherwise, here is Sean Everest talking about one of the biggest breaches I have ever seen. He sent this to me this past week, ending August 1st. And I call this, this has to be the biggest security breach to date. And he is going to talk about it and some other tech blog news coming up next. This is podcast number 349. Hello, um, this is a little recording. Uh, this is Sean Everest. So I thought I'd do a couple of things. Firstly, this is for the, well, it could be either of the Jared Rama podcasts. I'm not naming my podcast. I'm not even setting up the audio interface for for the podcast, as I usually would do with music and all that stuff, because I'm... I'm tired, but I thought that I would contribute uh, to um, I would contribute to this uh, hack and the thing I was going to talk to you guys about in general with the security situation on the website, and I thought the fastest and most expedient way to do this thing is to just sit in my old um, Sony recorder around my neck and just use it because um, yeah this week has been um, in fact a lot of users on the website who are actual users will most likely have noticed a loss of their accounts and I'll get to that in a moment so this GPS hack we've had businesses hacked into we've had Equifax we've had data stolen database lifts are not new neither phishing scams everything from your password manager to your cloud provider to your hospital, to your ISP, to yourself, to your VPN provider is a potential target. As soon as someone uses something, and a lot of people uses something, it becomes a target. And that's uh, also why I'm not in with the idea of these COVID contact tracing apps. If I was a hacker, I'd target them. I'd target the data. I mean, some of my family play this down. But how these some of these apps do it is you go past with your Bluetooth or whatever, 
and you store that data on your phone. Everyone's names, everyone's phone numbers, everyone's everything. Well, we could. I don't know. You don't know what's there. People say it's a cure, but what's security? I mean, Darwin's got hacked. That's secure. It has military contacts, so you're damn right. They probably are pretty much secure. If these guys can hack a secure GPS company, and they've got to be secure, then then security isn't a problem. You can be the most secure you think, and they may, and they'll still get in. There are people who can get in no matter how secure your system is. You may have multiple backups. You may have all sorts of things. Now, with the Garmin uh, situation, I did talk with um, uh, my dad, just by chance, had uh, a few neighbors who are in uh, the computer and website industry over here, and I was talking to these people this morning. Um, Now, it wasn't in the article necessarily, and I didn't read all the links, but apparently, um, they have traced this hack to this 24-year-old um, Russian mafia dude, who, of course, they can't touch because he's in Russia. And Garmin um, paid this guy $10 million because it was the fastest way for them to get their data back. The bad guys won. This isn't new. People do have backups. Uh, Some people have multiple backups. This was bound to happen. I mean, let's face it. With the move to becoming paperless, everything's on drive drives. I've got two backup hard drives right next to me here. They aren't plugged in all the time. They can fail. I've had a couple of drives fail. I've lost data. I've got SSDs. I've got got a box of... um, flash drives here. I store important data in the cloud. Some of those are passwords, some of those are whatever. I mean, it's Dropbox. Guess that could get hacked into. Um, it has everything. I have everything up there. Now, the majority of my sites, uh, I have groups of passwords for different sites, use similar passwords, but then I don't really care if they hack into my shopping sites. They're protected um, by payment methods, by PayPal and my bank. Different passwords. Different passwords that I have to go through. It's already pretty secure. My WordPress has a um, a two-step on it. My Facebook and Twitter don't, but I don't use them for posting. I use them for reading. I don't give a toss. My email is Gmail, um, and that system is pretty secure. I mean, you log on another computer, it yells about you. You you log on to someone who's already logged on in another country, and it thinks you're hacked. Um, you get a message. From any provider, anyone that you have registered to, and they say you've been hacked into, even if it doesn't look true, log into it. I don't say click the mail, the link in your email, the email necessarily, but log into it and change your password. You can never be too careful. 
So, this Garmin hack came out of the blue. You think about it. Just, just think about it. Disruption of a massive scale. It can happen to any company, any provider. To these people, it's worth a lot of dough. I mean, let's face it. GPS, military. I mean, the White House hasn't been hacked yet. Nuclear systems haven't been hacked yet, but there's going to be a breach. Someone will hack into um, defense systems, and they will use them. It's not a question if. You have to assume, and this is how we're going to have to deal with the security thing from now on. You're going to assume, have to assume, right? Not if. You have to assume that, for sake of argument, that the nuclear missiles of America are going to be hacked into. They will be launched. They will kill a lot of people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that if. We're going to have to assume. We're going to be ahead of these guys. So we're going to have to assume that they have already broken in and that they will do maximum damage. And that, you know, you may have to pay. We can no longer assume that we can try to keep ourselves safe by being more secure. We are going to have to take it down to their level, I think. We're going to have to assume they're going to get in. And we're going to have to deal with it like we deal with everything else. And we're going to have to assume they already have. So, when it happens, because it's going to happen, we need to quietly fix it. And I'm not saying not mention it, but they're reading the news. We need to assume that we have already been hacked. And that no matter how secure we are, we will be hacked. And it's going to happen today. And uh, we'll just have to continue living our lives. When it does happen, we fix it as quickly as we can. Backups can fail. And there can be human mistakes. Hey, we're not perfect. We're not machines. Even machines can make mistakes. So, this hack is bad, but then it's not surprising. We've been having breaches all the time. COVID-19 has changed a lot of things. One of the things which has changed is jobs. Working from home is something people like. Why? Less traffic. Less traffic. Less people in offices means you don't need many offices. We're already going paperless. I mean, it's a very attractive thing. For myself, a disabled individual who had issues finding a job, still do have issues finding a job. It's beside the point. My dream was to get a job, go to work, etc., etc. Now, for me, a blind person to go to work, it requires navigation, yada yada, getting all the expenses and mobility and stuff. I don't have to do that now. I can just work from home, never go to an office, link in via Zoom. I don't need to go to offices. I don't need to go to work. I can have my own life. That comes with a risk. Every company can be hacked. 
every country company will be hacked every pound will be hacked at some point in their lives I have had my email account hacked into attempted a couple of times Google has notified me I have changed my password I've had a friend this week who got his Facebook account hacked into the hacker didn't ransom him they didn't do anything but sent rude messages and all his friends um, uh, one of my aunts got from him a request and then a whole lot of rude messages and I've told him to fix it he hasn't yet but I think he's going to have to change his password at least my grandpa this is going back a bit uh, he had issues he was found it very hard to even to secure the computers because he didn't understand how all the tools worked and what they were meant and he got um he got hacked into and allegedly someone rang him about it and said that he was sending stuff at her at, her, at the computer at her computer and hacking into it we found no evidence on his computer but he was caught up I believe in the Yahoo breach because my provider that we were using at the time it isn't using that and it's using its own network now is was on Yahoo and um, yeah no uh, worst thing worst things than ransomware is actually email address harvesting they take your address and they use it now there's no trail link to you they just use your address to do whatever mostly it's sending messages out of the people and then you get angry messages back from other people saying that you've been you know doing things to them and in this case it drove my grandpa to simply disconnect his internet not use the net not do anything um, and I can only assume that this is because something was hacked and this was back in 2000 and 14. It's got worse now. It's got really bad. It's 2020. Now, um, back in 2000, uh, 2006, 7, my dad um, got his credit card um, hacked. He was paying at a reputable store and we believe although we have no proof uh, that someone had one of those um skin machines in the scanner uh, or something scanned his card and used it to subscribe to a lot of porn sites um his card was his card was revoked and he got a new one they found out who the guys were and uh, the store handled it with the police it, they handled it very quickly um at least that's what they told us the bank reversed the charges nothing else happened uh, my brother um, this last year got rung up that his account had been compromised on American Express and their policies demanded a replacement card had to be sent and it was done immediately and that's what we've got to get up to assume we're going to be hacked when you're hacked you take the appropriate action restore your backups if there's a card or there's something wrong or there's something like that you ring up your customers and go we have been hacked 
we're taking the, the following action, we're replacing without giving you the change all your codes because we have been hacked into and just don't lie about it. Just admit it straight out because it's going to happen. So that's that. And sadly, this is continuing. Well, I don't. Should I say sadly? This will continue now forever and a day. And I don't know if I should, we should say it even sadly. Uh, this is going to be a fact of life. The net is mirroring the real world. That's one thing we should realize. The net is the real world. But the world never sleeps. The net never sleeps. Someone somewhere else in the world is awake when we're asleep. I am in the New Zealand time zone. I am at the rear end, the ass end of the world. It's almost my dinner time. That means someone in Europe or somewhere else is waking up. While I sleep, someone is awake. When I'm, when I'm awake, someone else is asleep and vice versa. Any country, any place. The net is never dark. The net has no concept of light or dark. It's always daytime. It's always busy. COVID doesn't matter on the net. Travel doesn't matter on the net. But so you believe you me, that is a problem. So now I'm going to go and mention the issues that we had this week. It's Sunday night and I power up my email as I usually do and I get a message from WordPress that four or five users, eight users, ten users have appeared registered new subscribers and I'm thinking, okay, new subscribers. I'm not too worried about this, we hardly get any users. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have two registered users other than myself and Jared. We need more users. We really, really need more users. Subscribers, authors, people to give us articles. We need a lot more users. Well, uh, Monday comes around. It's still happening. We're getting multiple tons of users and they're registering in quick order. And suddenly, I'm a bit concerned because all the domains look similar. And I realize. It's an attack. Now, our systems have four types of protections. Uh, we have the honeypot registration codes. We've got logic capture using capture booster. Uh, we have um, simple SSL and domain detection. We have two to three accessibility modules. We've got multiple email admins. We've got We've got plenty of stuff. Uh, Akismet. We have the Jetpack monitoring plugin. We had every stuff I added uh, an extra honeypot protection module in called WordPress uh, WP Spam Questioner. We had all this stuff in. And for a year it seemed to work alright. Couple of years, a few couple of years. For most of them. Now granted the logic capture has over never been 
um, you need things smarter than addition of subtraction because I suck at maths. Maths is my weak point. And I tried the advanced security, powers, times, all that sort of stuff, multiplications, division. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'd have to use a calculator to get into the site. So I dumbed it down a bit. And they figured out how it all worked. Took a year, they got in. No big deal. But uh, no matter what layers of protection I had shoved on the system, they just kept coming in. Coming in, coming in, coming in. So Monday morning, I'm like, you know what? You know what? I told Jared about it, and he goes, uh, well, you know what? You should get a, um, a sweeper program to search for stuff on the database, mismatch domain, that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, okay, we can do that. Couldn't find any. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take the decision that I'm not going to like. I'm going to go through the database. I'm, going to, I'm just going to empty everything, I, every, every one that I don't know, I'm just going to delete them. I knew of one or two, one user that I re helped register that was actually real. Um, and one other Jared vouched for that was real. Everyone else, I deleted 30, 40, 50, 60 users from the database. I just went through and I went select, 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 delete everyone. Select, select, delete everyone. And I kept doing that. I know I also added a user registration plugin called the WP, no, WP user registration something, I forgot what it's called. It's for human approvals. Now that stopped it appearing in my inbox, but they were still registering. So I tried another way. I tried a user verification via email code. And that worked, except that it locked me out of the site entirely. Thank God I have WordPress, which is another re way to log in. You should, can log in with your WordPress account with two-step. You need to do that, but that might be another thing for you. <sighs> Apparently WordPress sites are home to this sort of thing. Uh, one way was to turn off uh, registration for us, but for me, but you know, it's a big deal. Don't like doing that. And who knows, maybe, maybe I'd abandon WordPress. I don't know. Anyway, now I've got this thing called a simple capture recapture. Now, and I ripped out all the security, zero spam, everything else. I have Jetpack and a Kismet because Jetpack runs it. So, hey. Um, simple capture recapture is good in V3 mode, which is all score based, which means the user doesn't get hit. What I hated about the challenge modes on version 2 and lower is that. What they would do is challenge you with a key, and that's nice. Checkbox, I'm not a robot, but it does inconvenience users, especially the blind, because of this garbled audio thing, and uh, last resort. Last resort. Um, the other option is just to register people on request, which I suppose I could do. I mean, we don't get many users. Anyway, that was okay. Uh, but then uh, Jared couldn't log in. Oh, he could log in, but he couldn't post. It needs modifying of all sorts of forms. In the end, I just registered the registration part and not log in. So as far as you, you can just log in normally. 
but when you register, you'll get a badge that says this site is protected by um, recapture, and uh, it will know if you're a bad, and it will know if you are good because it's all cloud controlled. It knows, and that should be okay for any standard user to pop in, and uh, you will be a subscriber, and that's how all that's going to work. And that's what I spent doing most of this week. Now, we're saying that we are needing more users, more readers, more writers, more everything. So register with confidence and we should be fine. Um, and if you were caught in the, la in the purge on Monday, please register. Because we want you back. We really do want you back. Uh, now, another thing. If you can, I know you only need a username and email address, but um, for future reference, can you please fill out your profile? Uh, name, first name and last name, the biographical data, um, country would be nice, city would be nice. I don't need a whole, an entire address. Uh, a website, perhaps, if you don't mind sharing that. You don't necessarily have to share your social networks. I just need something a bit more than username uh, and email address. I need, because identifying data, because they most likely will get through us again. And when they do that, I'm going to delete every user again and start from scratch. I need to know who you are, especially if you have a name that I'm not sure about. It would be nice. I don't know how to enforce this, but it would be nice if real users um, had real data in their profiles. And I can't make you do that, but it, it would be nice. Anyway, I think dinner's been called, so I'm going to turn off my recorder and I'll post this up later. Goodbye. Twitter update that might be of interest to people. Several articles have come out, including one from TechCrunch, which is a technology-based website. All of the articles in question pretty much say the same thing. This will be cross-posted to both the technology podcast, which is still under development, and broadcast number four of the security box slated to air on August 5th. According to the articles, a teenager who has not been named based in Florida was arrested on July 31st, 2020 in connection with 30 different felony counts. The other two, according to the TechCrunch article, were uh, arrested, one in the UK and one also in Florida. The second Florida man, a 22-year-old, will be tried in the state of California. To boot, we do know what the 17-year-old will be charged with. And I will be linking to the article 
for the tech podcast because I wrote a blog. The teenager is being charged with the following five items. Organized fraud of over $50,000, 17 counts of communication fraud of over $300, fraudulent use of personal information of over $100,000 or 30 or more victims, 10 counts of fraudulent use of personal information and access to computer or electronic devices without authority scheme to defraud there are three different articles as I said and I will be linking to this blog post on my tech podcast and we'll try and get this also linked on the security boxes show notes for August 5th's airing. This is Tech Podcast 349 and the Security Box Podcast number 4. Blind Bargains has just released on Monday, August 3rd, the long-awaited interview with me, Jared Reimer, in Braille 2000. The Blind Bargains cast is 212. And if you download Podcast 212, which it will be available through the website at blindbargains.com and also blogged on this blog you will want to go 15 minutes in and the interview will include some demo material taken from jaredreimer.info thank you blind bargains for allowing us to be on your podcast and I hope to be on other podcasts talking about Braille 2000 and what it can do to the blind community as an aid for people who want to edit their Braille. Questions, comments, or concerns are always welcome. And thanks so much for listening. This is Podcast 349. What do you think about when you charge something to your credit card? Do you think about how easy it is? Do you think about whether the transaction is secure? Do you even really understand how the credit card transaction really works? No? Well, good. 
I think maybe I've got your attention now. You see, there are a couple of articles recently published on Krebs on Security that talk about credit cards. Now, I got my first credit card in 2000. I didn't really understand how to use the credit card machine. So the merchant went ahead and did it for me. That's all well and good. But do you really understand what happens between the time that your credit card gets charged and when the transaction posts? And then finally, when you get your statement? No? Well, then maybe I have your attention again. Now, it's always interesting to learn all of these types of things because my credit card, as I talked about on earlier technology podcasts through the years, was actually hacked into. A company, which I will not name, asked me basic KBA questions. All I wanted to do was put some money on my account because it was a long distance company and you had to pay by the minute. The name of the company is not going to be mentioned. Let's just say that after that particular incident, I quit doing business with them and eventually my account got deleted. That's fine because now I don't need them. I've got my cell phone. I've got Skype Unlimited. I've got Google. So, how does it work? Well, when you put your card into the machine, whether you swipe or you use the chip, which the new cards are, it checks to see if you have the available money. And if you do, then you get billed for the transaction. Let's say you go off to the store to buy groceries. Your credit card charge is a hundred bucks. Yes, I always like to round things out so that it's better explained. Let's say your available credit on your credit card for ease of convenience is $1,000. You're excited because you got your first card. You go to the store to buy your $100 worth of groceries. So you figure out the machine, you put the card into the slot, it beeps at you, you may have to sign, you may not, and you go on your merry way. Here's the basic conversation of how all of this works. Hello, I'm a credit card. I understand I need to put $100 here. 
the bank says, let me check to see if you have the available funds. One moment, please. All right. Your transaction is approved. I have deducted the available credit and you can go on your way. That's the basic transaction and the basic discussion of how a credit card is charged. You go home and you wait a month, you get your statement. And on your statement, you've got a few charges, your $100 charge, and maybe a few other charges that I don't know about. Probably costs you 250 bucks. You go online, you sign up for your bank's online service for the credit card, and you go ahead and tell your bank to take it from your primary bank on your due date for the exact amount. You go about your business, your money gets paid, your credit card bank is happy, you're happy, and all life is good. But wait, as I disclosed, I personally got hacked into. How did that happen? All I did was answer questions so that they could allow me to charge my money. Well, somebody, don't know who, can't prove anything, was able to change my password, change my email address, and other personally identifiable information. The first time they did this, they actually charged me for a service I've never used. Juno Internet. I bring this up again because this might happen to you. You get your monthly statement. You know you spent $100 on groceries. Maybe $50 on your internet. But you look at your statement. What is this $50 on crack.com? You never went to crack.com. You don't understand what's going on. But you have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have to worry about fraudulent charges. What? Somebody used my credit card for fraud? Yep. I had one fraudulent charge 
through my 20 years of using a credit card. I've had two credit cards through the years. Because the second one was the one they changed all of my information. This is my third credit card. According to Krebs on Security, credit card fraud is still a thing. And the article itself was quite interesting because a lot of the world moved to chip-based transactions. So the article really talks about in detail how the chip system works. You put your card into the machine and it generates random data instead of your account information that you know and love so well. In 2019, Brian's Club a repository that was used to sell stolen credit card data like yours and mine and Herbie's or anybody else who had credit cards stolen in big time breaches that we have talked about on the technology podcast for many years. This is only one card shop. There are many more in the underground that have been doing this type of thing for many years. This shop used Brian Krebs's name as an image only. The shop also went around stealing data around the world, but mainly used cards from U.S.-based merchants. The database was leaked to Krebs on security through a source. And Krebs on security, the real Brian Krebs, turned it over to people who fight fraud on a regular basis. The ad used Brian's name and likeness to peddle millions of cards for years. The article talks about this New York University study on credit card fraud. I'm not going to go into all of the details of the article verbatim 
But what really interested me was that Brian's Club made $104 million on stolen data. 97% of the card data was stolen magnetic stripe data. As I said, I had my credit card since 2000. Only within the last several years did my credit card bank go ahead and give me a chip-based card. Part of the problem that we have in the United States is that people still swipe their cards instead of, quote, dipping the chip, unquote. Why? Because merchants don't necessarily want to upgrade to the chip-based system because then they are liable for the fraud that takes place. According to what I've heard, the fraud has really gone down when using the chip-based cards. In 2015, according to this article, the major card associations made it uh, rules to make it more expensive to continue allowing customers to swipe the stripe instead of dipping the chip. But how secure is your chip. So the credit debit cards that have the chip are designed to make it infeasible for skimming devices and malware to clone your card. A recent series of malware that has gone around and caused trouble, the thieves have found weaknesses on how certain financial institutions are verifying Uh, your transaction and other security mechanisms. They have been able to use usable counterfeit cards. So basically we're back to square one. The cards encode cardholder account data. 
in plain text on a magnetic stripe. It can be read by skimming devices, malware, and more. According to the second article, newer chip-based cards employ a technology known as EMV that encrypts the account stored on the chip. There is a unique token or cryptogram to be generated or crypto key each time the chip card interacts with a payment terminal. According to Wikipedia, which is linked to in the Krebs article, EMV is a payment method based upon a technical standard for smart payment cards and for payment terminals and automated telling machines which can accept them. The term originally stood for Europay, MasterCard, and Visa, the three companies that created the standard. EMV cards, so Europay, MasterCard, and Visa, are smart cards, also called chip cards. Integrated circuit cards or IC cards circulated on integrated circuit chips in addition to magnetic stripes. This is used for backward compatibility. What I found interesting on this article is that virtually all chip cards still have much of the same data that were on the magnetic stripe cards. And many merchants, especially those in the US, still have not fully implemented the readers. Although the last time I went out, I have been finding more merchants that have been using the chip-based approach. Now, it probably is a good idea for this to be backward compatible because I found at least in one instance there was something going on with the chip reader and they went ahead and used the stripe method to be able to bill me so that I can go on my way. It's just a piece of technology If the card's chip or the EMV terminal is having a problem, you can still get billed. The article goes into more detail about differences between data on EMV chips versus the magnetic stripe. Integrated Circuit Card Verification Value or ICVV instead of the CVV you find on the back of your card when you make an online purchase or stripe your card through the uh, 
through the magnetic stripe facility. This differs on the magnetic stripe and protects ex, uh, protects the data by not being able to copy your CVV. Both the ICVV and CVV are unrelated to the security code that is visibly printed on a back of a card which is mainly used for e-commerce transactions that you have to put in the card data yourself mainly known as not card present transactions. Even if a skimmer or malware is on a device and is able to intercept it, it's only valid for that one transaction. That's all well and good. But the back end systems from the back end are supposed to be checking that. And Krebs on security found that some institutions are not doing that. Now what can we do about this? There are various things that we can do. We can, as I discussed at the beginning of this, go ahead and check your statement every month. Now, what if you have a smartphone? Well, your bank that issued your card might have options to be able to get transaction history as soon as you make the charge. I set mine for a dollar, but there are purchases that are at least 99 cents. Yes, it's a small transaction, and I bet you can actually set the amount to zero dollar and one cent. That way, you are advised of every transaction. It'll pop up a notification, and even with my bank, I can have it send me an email. I had some email trouble recently with the bank, and I just put in my email address again, and now I'm getting email. Even though I get the notification on my phone, it's good to double check what I'm hearing on the phone and what I get in my email. It may be the same, but I'd rather get it twice in case something happens with the notification on the phone. The other thing you can do is you can log on to your app or the bank's website and check your transaction history on a regular basis. In fact, way before the iPhone ever became accessible to the blind, I was always calling the bank's telephone number and looking at my history. And one day I went to do this and found that I could not 
even access the account. And that is when I knew I had a problem. My account representative at the time was great. I'd call him each week. He'd tell me I'd have, say, a hundred and some dollars pending. We'd go through everything and verify everything. I then was able to cross-check everything that I billed. And when he called me one evening and said, I don't understand what happened. You've been so good. I said, I think I know what happened. Now I was working from home. And so calling the credit card company and taking care of it was just a phone call to the boss saying, my credit card has been reported. I think my credit card has been taken over. I need to call and get this taken care of. So I'm not going to be available for a while. And he said, okay, take care of it. That was the most important thing I could do. The credit card charge, it wasn't worth fighting for $10. But I've heard many reports that people have been taken for a lot more. As people in the disabled community, we must understand how these types of things work. Now, how does the credit card system really work? So you go back to the earlier in this segment of the program and you learned that it sort of has a conversation. Now, back in the day, it used to actually take three to five days for the transaction to post. Now, it can post as little as one business day. In all cases, since 2000 when I got my card, transactions never posted on Sunday or holiday. The holiday list was always available, but the major holidays like New Year's, July 4th, and Christmas and Thanksgiving are the biggest ones. Checking on your available credit is the biggest thing you can do, whether you have a $500 limit, a $4,000 limit, or as high as you and your credit card issuer have a deal on. You should try and make sure that it matches what you're thinking it is. And from time to time, you may get called about suspicious transactions, even if you've made them. You might get an email. Pay attention to those. The credit card company wants to make sure that you're in possession of your card. Have questions? Send me an email at tech, that's T-E-C-H, at menvi.org and I'm sure that I'll more than likely play this 
on the security box for comments, questions, and so forth at a later date. This segment has been recorded for Podcast 349. And let's talk about how we can keep our own transactions as safe as possible as we navigate in these tough times. Now, here are a couple of items of interest from Michael in Indiana. The interesting thing about the Comcast situation was that um, it started with internet-related and um, phone-related issues that were quite strange. Um, And the problem was that just like with all the companies, their foreign customer service people are awful. Um, I was supposed to get new modems, and there were. Uh, it was. I was told that I was going to get them, and didn't get them. They said they were going to ship it, and they didn't. And then they sent me to the store, and they then the store was closed because of COVID-19. Then they shipped me a new modem, and they actually shipped me a out-of-date old. Um, modem that was legacy equipment. Tried to get that resolved, and then after getting all that resolved, started having TV issues. Needed a new cable box, and went through the same bullcrap of, we'll ship you a new one, and they didn't. And then I actually ended up having to call the corporate. When I called them, they shipped me a new one. Well corporate office, I have to say, was a whole lot more helpful than their customer service people um, ever will be. Um, But um, the interesting thing about it turned out to be that when I got the new box, I was still having issues. Um, And so I ended up calling corporate again, and when I called corporate again, uh, they got me, uh, they opened the case with a case manager in Chicago, because I'm on the Chicago. Um, once they did that, they sent me a senior technician. When they did that, they actually ended up determining that the problem um, ended up being um ended up affecting the entire building, 40 apartments. Now, some of my equipment was old, so it did need to be replaced. And earlier in this episode, I had had a couple of other texts out, one which uh, didn't know nothing, and the other one replaced um, a splitter and one of our outdated cable boxes and uh, said we should have been good, but it turned out... But there was this issue in the in the cable box outside the apartment. Turned out that that was um, a um, faceplate in the cable box, which was actually um, failing. So they replaced that, and ever since, um, it's been good. Um, it's been stable, like it always was. It's been what I'm used to out of Comcast um, over the last, uh, say, 10 or 12 years um, or more. Um, Normally, Comcast is pretty good, but this was quite nasty. And the fact that all their 
customer service is contracted out overseas, um, when you get a problem like this, they don't know what to do. Um, and, you know, it, it ends up, you have to end up dealing with somebody in America to get something done. Um, so that's the way that went. Uh, corporate office is great. Uh, they're actually located in Philly. Um, but they, they were, they were great. But it's nice to have another resource to, um, go to, um, in the event something happens. Um, and I, you know, can't, uh, you know, get through to, the regular customer service. A couple of days ago, I had heard that President Trump wanted to ban TikTok, which I'm not even familiar with the app, so um, you might want to explain it. Um, but apparently he had wanted to ban it here in the U.S. I later heard on our local news just tonight that Microsoft is apparently working on an acquisition of that company um, from its Chinese uh, parent company that's running it now. Uh, I don't know the details of the deal. I don't know, you know, much about that. But I do know that that is in the works. Um, and, of course, Jared, you might reference what you put in your blog that you and I just finished talking about um, recently. Um, because... I, I'm aware that you recently did a post on it, so you might want to include that with this segment if you want. Uh, but that's what I know. Um, I've never even heard of the app. I don't even know what it is. Uh, but it sounds like they've got issues. Enter. I grew my literally 30 million followers plus in a matter of nine months. TikTok is very much Gen Z and they're just happy to finally have something that's theirs. TikTok has done an amazing job of breaking down the barrier of entry for online content creators. And I set a date of around September 15th, at which point it's going to be out of business in the United States. TikTok is important to us and it, it's, it's impacted the world in such a positive manner that we want it to stay, regardless of what changes have to be made. It's very sad to think that that could just disappear because TikTok has enabled a lot of people who didn't necessarily have the opportunity to jump into the online space. It makes me slightly more wary that TikTok is a Chinese-owned company. If a foreign company is collecting new voters, Gen Z, like people that have just turned 18 and are able to vote, they might be able to create fake accounts that could push things in the same way Facebook was pushing articles and kind of interfered with the election a little bit. TikTok is facing a possible ban in, in Australia. It's just been banned in India, the app's biggest overseas market where it's considered to be a national security threat. My government's telling me that it's for national security, it's for security reasons. And that is the exact same reason that the US also cited. Now that is a huge red flag. But at the same time, what happened is people lost a platform overnight which is absolutely heartbreaking. What I would consider a little abnormal is the amount of data that it does collect when you first open the app. My software counted um, 210 network requests within the first nine seconds. 
from my phone sending data to TikTok servers. They're showing some of the data that they collect, but they're hiding other aspects, which I think going forward, they're going to have to be a lot more transparent and, and allow people to actually inspect uh, the traffic to make sure that they're not collecting things that they say they don't collect. TikTok is on the verge of being banned in the U.S., and I'm starting a video petition with hashtag save TikTok. The government has its, its own reasons, and TikTok has to conform to that. But if we were to show how important it was for TikTok to stay, that hopefully there could be a resolution to everything. The app has given a lot of people a voice, a creative outlet. It's given people a ton of fame. But if it's taken away, it will be sad. But on the other hand, I think that we might all be thankful to get a few more hours of sleep. Thank you, Michael and Indiana, for those two segments. That Comcast segment was definitely a very interesting one because I was there through the whole thing. And Michael's not one for a whole lot of swearing. But boy, <clears throat> you could just tell he wasn't happy. Uh, a little bit of lookup can get you a little bit of information. Now, as for TikTok, you heard a little video that I found through the BBC talking about how they don't want TikTok to go away. Now, I haven't yet found anything, although I do plan to look this up, but I haven't yet found anything in regards to uh, TikTok potentially being bought by Microsoft. Uh, we did talk about that. And the reference date for the segment will be uh, the week of August 1st through August 4th. Um, it's going to get interesting what happens with TikTok as this, the article I wrote talked about the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which we talked in great detail about on the security box on podcast uh, number three, which is available through the technology podcast series through RSS. And uh, it's going to get rather interesting because... We don't know what's going to happen. It's all speculation. We do know that South Korea was involved because in their country, the age of COPA is 14 and they uh, slapped TikTok for not violating, uh, for not following uh, and clearly violating, that's really what I would like to say, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act in their country. Um, so that is all we have in regards to TikTok at this time. For complete details on COPA and the whole South Korea issue, search for Children's Online Privacy Protection Act or COPA on the blog 
and you will find it. That's going to do it for the Technology Podcast, Podcast 349. I am Jared Reimer. Email iMessage tech, that's T E C H, at M E N V I dot O R G. Text or WhatsApp 804-442-6975. On the next edition of the Security Box on 98.6 The Mix in cooperation with the Independent Artist Channel, let's talk a little bit about the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act in some detail. We may not cover every little item, but Wikipedia's got a great article on it, and we're going to do that. We'll also have news, notes, commentary, a little bit of music, and a whole lot more. It airs each and every Wednesday on the independent channel of 98.6 The Mix. Visit 986themix.com slash listen for listen links, or it'll be available through this very podcast after the show. On the next tech podcast, we're going to try and look up to see what's going on with TikTok. I was not able to find any articles uh, confirming or denying anything about Microsoft buying TikTok, and I'll be uh, trying to do a little bit more research on it, and we'll go ahead and post something if I know anything. Got a topic you would like to have aired on this program or even on the security box please feel free to contact me and i will see what i can do about getting it aired for you until the next scheduled technology podcast i am jared reimer saying thanks so much for listening and make it a great day